Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to the podcast. So today's topic is about being the boss. And there's a little known secret that most people, well, we just don't really talk about this secret. We don't talk about this reality that is facing so many people in business today because it's, well, it's a dirty little secret. It's a secret that I think is far more common than rare. And it's about those people who are either promoted or even self-declared a desire to be the boss. And once they get in the role, they hate it. They hate being the boss. They hate being in charge. They hate being responsible. They hate dealing with all the yucky stuff that comes with being in a leadership position. And, you know, they, they can't really tell someone that they hate being in a leadership role. It's almost like it's something that we can't admit openly without the fear of judgment, without the fear of being considered a failure. And I've put together this story to help illustrate this, this, I guess this idea that there are people in leadership positions who like nothing about the role. So if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, do so so that you get notified every time I drop a new episode. So today's story is about Preston. Now, Preston is already late for work and feels stressed by the fresh Monday morning upon him. He decides to stop for coffee anyway. He's late. Might as well stop for coffee anyway. And the five-mile drive to his office seems more like 50. He is in his seventh month as production supervisor, and it feels like seven years. How did it get this bad so fast, he thinks. I mean, he used to love his job and his life. He is 29 years old with a three-year-old baby at home. His relationship with his wife, Cindy, is excellent. And yet he is so miserable. The faint yet undeniable sick feeling is coming back. And he wonders whether he needs to vomit again today. The company offered Preston his supervisor position because he is a good worker. He is intelligent and he is eager to learn. He's an excellent problem solver and seems to be respected by his coworkers. Hmm. A natural fit for the supervisor position is what the company thought. Yet, why is he so unhappy? The truth about this situation is that he loves operating the machines. He is content to come to work, set up his machine, and produce the products. Preston is not focused on work as the center of his life. He is good at creating, but his mind is more occupied by his family and hobbies that this job has allowed him the time and the opportunity to enjoy. Or at least it used to. I mean, his new fishing boat has not been in the water in over three months. He usually works 12 hours a day instead of the eight 
that he used to and cannot remember the last time his family had supper together. I mean, he brings home more money, but it is actually less per hour than he made before the promotion when he figures hours worked. Does this sound familiar? Many Saturdays get spent working at the plant. And his buddies, his long-lost buddies, cannot understand why he says no to the many invitations they offer. Hmm. His crew, 22 employees, is seasoned, chiefly veterans with a painful past. The cyclical business cycle has filtered most of the organization's good attitudes out meaning they're gone, leaving those that cannot find another job to work for Preston. Preston is younger than most of his employees and gets ridiculed as a company man, in air quotes, behind his back. There are many good people on his team, but they find it easier to follow the pack than support Preston. Employees have learned how to work the system and often miss work based on allowable points for attendance. You know, these point systems, people get good at working the system. Most days have three or four employees out of the office, out of the plant for some reason or another. This leaves Preston to have to fill in where he can. And human resources, good old HR, offers little help or advice to better his team. Preston feels like he's made a big mistake. Life was good before his promotion. He made good money and enjoyed life. He had time to spend with his family and do what he loved. No one. No one prepared him for the situation that he's in now. He has not learned how to supervise others. And get this, someone assumed. We know what assume does. Makes a you-know-what out of you and me. Someone assumed he would do a good job. And he will do his best. And hopes it gets easier and better over time. But here's the secret. He's afraid to let down those who promoted him to supervisor in the first place. He doesn't want his family to think he failed as a supervisor. I mean, they always say how proud they are of him. And he gets that sick feeling each time he hears them brag about his new position as supervisor. And he quietly, confidentially, wonders if there is a path back to the normal he once knew. So Preston's situation is widespread today. With so many older workers exiting the workplace, most companies have no strategy to replace the leaders of the present. People get promoted to leadership positions based on a highly flawed logic. Many companies presume, and this is the big mistake, 
They presume that if someone is good at something, they will also be good at supervising the same activity. And people, this is a false assumption in most cases. I mean, it requires an entirely different set of skills to oversee workers. And the best analogy, the best analogy I can think of is sports and coaching. A player who excels on the field will likely not excel as a coach. In fact, most fail. The skill and talent to organize and catalyze commitment to an activity or a purpose are different from completing an action. I mean, you see this in the world of professional sports. People who are the best in the world at what they do, the tiny sliver of humanity who gets to make a wonderful living playing a child's game cannot make the transition to coach. It's a different skill set. Yet, what makes this situation so familiar? You know, if you go back in time, I truly, truly believe the situation existed all along. But it remained a minor problem during the era of the baby boomer worker. I mean, these employees would stay through the tenure of bad supervisors. They would stick it out with a bad boss. I mean, we had things like pensions to make people stick it out. And because they would stick it out, companies did not feel the pain of bad promotions to supervisor. They were able to ignore it because people would tolerate a bad boss. Not so anymore. These millennials with an average tenure of 18 to 24 months are being followed by Gen Z who are likely to quit faster or sooner than the millennials are now a reality that companies are dealing with. And without good supervisors, I mean, you know, people don't quit businesses, they quit bosses. And without good bosses in the workplace, people lack engagement. They lack good morale. They lack that thing that I call discretionary effort. Discretionary effort is that effort that someone gives above required effort. It's there for the plucking, but only leaders can get to discretionary effort. Discretionary effort means I do more than I have to. I give more than I have to. I work harder than I need to. I pay attention to detail more than I need to. And without good leaders, we do not get that discretionary effort. All we get is what we pay for. We get the bare minimum in some cases. Or worse, we get less than the bare minimum and do nothing about it. I recently worked with a, with a large chemical company. And one of the enduring comments that I heard from the people were that they tolerate poor performers. And because they tolerate poor performers, morale is down. I mean, this is not new. Peter Drucker states that the average working life of an employee 
now exceeds the average lifespan of a business enterprise. And you say, well, what does that mean, John? Why, why, why is that important? Because people are living longer and working longer. People are outliving the average life cycle of a business, which if you put this in a visual context, this reality means business is changing faster than the people who occupy the positions in a company. And what's so remarkable, what's so essential from this episode is that the answer to this riddle is so simple to some and so challenging for others. I mean, those who get it understand that innovation and change hold the key to long-term success. Meaning that we have to undo patterns of the past. We have to change the mental schemas in our organizations in order to see it through a new lens. I'm teaching leaders right now that you have to promote controlled failure in the workplace in order to rebuild something new. Elon Musk and SpaceX does this or did it over the last 10 years by blowing up rockets to see what they can learn from it. They didn't see a, a rocket that blew up as an well, as a, as a baseline failure, they saw those rockets as opportunities to learn and improve. So, yes, I'm saying we need to blow up some rockets so that we can learn, blow them up organizationally, blow them up as a department, blow them up as individuals. We need to find those failure points so we can learn. And exceptional and successful leaders know we must elevate how much we change our jobs rather than how we perform our jobs. I mean, think about that for a minute. I want you to rate your people on how much they change their jobs, not just on how they perform the jobs. I mean, you hired somebody competent to, to do the job. The performance is expected. It's the, it's the improvement that comes through change that we desire. And you can say, well, that's fine for the executive level, but what about the people on the front lines? I said the people on the front lines are the most essential. They can change how they organize their workstation. They can change the tooling that they use. We want that change to exist at the front line level of every organization that I work with. I mean, the key. The key is, need, is the need for training and development of new leaders to adapt and thrive in this new world. If you think that you can manage the workforce of the past and do so the same way with the workforce of the present or the workforce of the future, you are, well, you're likely to suffer a lot of failure. You're likely to suffer by not getting what you want. I mean, the workplace is changing dramatically, and only those leaders who adapt to this change, to adapt to the new workplace, are going to thrive. The 20 and 30-something dominated workforce of the next 10 years will create the change anyway. And I truly, truly believe that only the companies that prepare the current and next generation of leaders will thrive. Those organizations that ignore what is most likely coming 
will suffer greatly. Change for the sake of change. I had someone get upset with me the other day. They said, John, are you saying change for the sake of change? I said, absolutely. We cannot see our blind spots until we test them with change. It may be a system in your organization. It may be a process in your organization. It may be people in your organization that you need to change. I mean, as an organization goes through the different stages of growth, some people get outgrown. Some people are no longer effective in their role. And we must consider, do we need to change the people or do we need to change the people? If you're like Preston, if you're suffering, share this podcast with people that may enjoy not only the episode, but get value from this. Remember, I'm on a mission to help people. I am a servant at heart, and I want people to find this podcast as a way of not only improving themselves, but improving the lives of the people around them. I mean, we get a short amount of time on this rock, and it's tragic for people to suffer unnecessarily. I mean, this, this thing that we call leadership, this thing that we call learning, this thing that we call growth is out there for the taking. I mean, think about this. Success is infinite. We can have as much success as we want. There's no limit to success. All we have to do is be willing to suffer to get it. We have to put ourselves out there. And People, you've heard me say this before. The indicators that let you know you're going big enough are the haters who criticize you. The people in the cheap seats who judge when they haven't been there, who complain when they have no clue what the leader is going through in the arena. Those are the people who are indicators you're moving in the right direction. If everyone around you is, you know, happy and you're not doing anything to create a little bit of what I call positive discomfort in your organization. You're probably playing it too safe and you've probably reached what some call the status quo bias. You're biased to think that the way you're doing it is optimal. Now I want to give you a free gift. If you will go to www johngrubs.com. You can have a free copy of one of my leadership books. You can download it as a PDF file. You can download it as a Mobi file if you read your books on Kindle. And people say, John, why do you give your books away? I mean, that book sells for 20 bucks on Amazon. Why am I giving it away free to you right now? Well, you're giving me the most precious gift one human can give another. And that's your time. And in exchange for that gift, I'll give you that copy of my book. And, you know, this this podcast is for people who want to improve. This is this is a podcast for people wanting to be better as leaders, better as organizations, better as individuals. We are a platform for people to grow. And we're crazy enough to do things just a little bit differently than others. 
And if you go to www.johngrubs.com, there is a lot of free information. You can download uh, articles. You can uh, you can see my YouTube videos. I post some of those on there. Uh, you can you can have a lot of free information if you go to my website. This podcast is for people crazy enough to do things other people are afraid to do. This podcast is deliberately moving against the grain of humanity. I want you to be content in that world of positive discomfort, to be growing, to be challenged, to feel like your work matters. This podcast is for people crazy enough to win until next time.